Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, dear listeners. In today's flashback episode, I get to talk with the incredibly talented Ricky Lake. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Hi, nice to meet you. I feel like I know you, but I don't think we've ever met. I feel like I know you. I grew up, like, nurtured by you. Near so. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Edmonds, Washington. It's just north of Seattle. Okay. So near the San Juan Islands? I am on the San Juan Islands right now. Ah. So you live there now? I want to, but we have kids. Yeah, you have kids. You share a kid. I know. Trust me. I've been there. I looked you up. Of course, I know of you. And you're on your third marriage. I'm on my third marriage. Yeah! My last one. I'm done. I'm done. Me too. I finally feel mature enough. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a lot older than you. But I finally have arrived to a place where I am feeling like I deserve what I have. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But my point is San Juan Islands, I was there. Orcas Island, it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. Yeah, I love it there. I do too. Like I long for it, you know, it's truly the idea of home. Yeah. I think about that concept a lot in our industry because we all travel so much. Of course, family is home, but do you have a place? It's interesting you ask me that because my entire life, I've never felt like I was safe in my own home. So it goes back. I was sexually molested as a little girl in my childhood home. When 9-11 happened, I was living in my West Village apartment. I thought I was going to be there forever. I just had my baby in my bathtub two months prior. And then 9-11 happened and I left New York. You know, I split. I had a house fire 12 years ago, burned this house down in Malibu oh. by accident. And so it was like a running theme of never feeling rooted somewhere. And for the first time in my life, I've been building this property that I now live on in Malibu. And it's like, I'm home. Oh. It's the best feeling. How wonderful. Yeah. It's like also the gift of age too. Yeah. I love to think about the positivity of aging. Totally. I mean, what other choice do we have? Exactly. <laughs> we don't have a real alternative that's a good viable option. But no, you know, I no longer color my hair. I went through this huge transformation two and a half years ago where I shaved my head. This was before COVID. And I just kind of had been struggling with hair loss very privately and decided to just say, fuck it. And I just took matters into my own hands. And ever since then, I never colored my hair again. I'm a little more made up. I don't normally wear makeup, but I'm doing a press thing on camera afterwards. So that's why I'm all done today. But I am embracing what I look like, what my body looks like. I'm 54, you know, and I've never been happier. I mean, have I been thinner? Yeah. Have I looked maybe more youthful in my early, you know, yes. But it's about being happy. It's about the balance of like home life, family life and my work. You know, it's just like I'm in a great flow right now in my life. I am loving your podcast, Raised by Ricky. Oh, thank you. I'm enjoying it. It's really, really cathartic and fun. And I think 
it's meaningful to, I think, a lot of people who did grow up with the show. You know, it was like a babysitter for them, you know. In a lot of ways, people ran home latchkey kids, you know, and it was the thing to watch and the thing to kind of learn about relationships. And it's really fun to go back and look at what we did 30 years ago. And it was an important show. And I was listening to some of the history of it. And what I thought was kind of magical and very true was, I can't remember the name of the producer who you guys seem to love each other and work in tandem. I want to say his name is Stephen. Stewart. Stewart. Stewart Krasnow. Yes. He was my supervising producer at the start of the show. And his belief in you in being able to connect with an audience. And you did immediately. And I do think that I'm in this position where I would love to be able to be completely exposed. Like when people talk about their divorces and stuff, I want to talk about mine. And I do in vagary a bit, but I need to protect people. Yeah, we have children with these people. Uh Yeah, I'm very conscious of the fact, like my first husband, my now ex-husband, I don't talk about him. And my kids are now over 18. I have a 21-year-old and 25-year-old. But I don't talk about, you know, him per se. You know, it's like, he's the father of my kids. I chose him. I take responsibility. We were very, very young. I know. That's the thing. At 25, we don't know who we are. I had to learn. And I'm so glad I did. You know, I had a beautiful, love-filled marriage for a lot of the time. I have these two beautiful, amazing children. It was like a time and a season. And then I evolved and I moved on. And I actually got married for the second time to my beloved Christian who passed away from mental illness and suicide in 2017. Like, I love love. I wouldn't say I'm a love addict. You know, I don't think I have a problem with love, but my heart is wide open. I am always, like, down for the experience and to jump feet first, you know? I'm with you. And we get back on that horse. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so worth it. It is so worth it. Even going through the loss of my husband, Christian, to suicide and to bipolar disorder. I mean, I went to, like, such darkness. After or before or during? During. You know, the first psychotic break that he had in 2014 was even more traumatizing, I think, than his death. I didn't know what bipolar was. I'd never dealt with anybody who was bipolar, who was unmedicated. But the psychic break, your loved one turns into a different person before your eyes. Like, literally, he spoke in a different tone. Like, everything about him was different. And I couldn't wrap my head around this person. It was so intense and hard. That's like a car accident. Things are forever changed, I would imagine. Oh, I just lost my shit. It was so bad. And I talk about him. First of all, he was my greatest teacher in my entire life. The gift of knowing him, loving him, and losing him has taught me so much about myself, about mental illness. I have become a much better me through that love and that loss. And so I'm very candid about that. I can't imagine how hard it must have been for you. Well, I wanted to fix him. I always want it because I'm very resourceful and I have the means and I don't really like taking no for an answer and I wanted to fix him. So when this all happened, I'm like, let's just get you the right doctor. Let's get the right treatment. But it's not as simple as that. And he was very, very special in that he was an empath. And so medicating him, it took away the gifts that he had, like of connecting to people and being intuitive. It just numbed him and flatlined him and he couldn't live like that. So the lesson of like not being able to fix your person is one that was really hard for me to swallow. But I feel him. I believe strongly. I don't know how spiritual you are, but I believe in my heart that he has handpicked my new partner. You know, my new husband, Ross, is the man that Christian wished he could have been for me. I love it that you're 
spirit of generosity continues. I, I my college boyfriend committed suicide. Ugh. We had broken up years before, but I've always struggled to make sense of it. Yeah. I'm so sorry. He was very much a loner, as I felt, in the same way. But there were times, like one time he threw this massive rock at me that almost hit me and it dented the hood of a car. He threw it from across the street. And there was a time when he wouldn't let me leave his apartment. He blocked the door. And then eventually I broke up with him and... He pulled the fire alarm in my dorm to get me out of there because I locked myself in my dorm. Wow. It was hard because we would go from one extreme to the other, you know, and I guess I tried to help at the time, but it was too much for me. Good for you to see that at such a young age and to get out. I just commend you and Christian for battling through it for a long, beautiful time. Yeah, we had six and a half years together and I kept him alive. I mean, I know I saved him. I saved him twice. I couldn't save him the third time. And, you know, he would always describe himself as an alien and he was not of this world. Like he was super special. And people who are bipolar are exceptional people. They are gifted, deeply, deeply gifted. And different cultures look at people like that and they say, those are the gifted ones. Those are the chosen ones, you know. And he was, he was definitely like way too sensitive. He couldn't look at the news. You know, he'd feel everyone's pain. He would feel it. And that was like a gift and a curse. And I'm just so grateful to have had him in my life for as long as I had him. He taught me so much about, like I said, mental illness, but also like I came to a place of loving myself after losing him. Like, I feel like I love myself the way he loved me. And that was a huge shift for me in the whole trajectory of my life and my career. I love that you have embraced your ex so much as a gift. It's all been a gift, everything. Thank you. But I don't know how else to look. I mean, I've got so much out of all of it, all the trauma, even like going back to being molested as a small child, you know, that experience caused me to turn to food. So like I became like a secret eater. I became overweight and ultimately obese. But then I got hairspray, my first film role at 18, because I was obese. Obviously, I wouldn't want to go back and have that happen to me or any little girl. But I think had I not been the size that I was, I would never have been chosen to be Tracy Turnblad at 18. You know, I've had a lot of trauma to get over and heal from. And I've also had this incredibly abundant, extraordinary personal life and professional life. I wouldn't change a thing, honestly. I think back to like five years ago, who I was, where I was five years ago after losing Christian. I didn't know whether I was going to ever feel joy again, let alone find love again. You know, I was really in the darkest of places and I had two sons that I had to continue to raise and try to make sense of it and come to terms with like, why did this happen to me? Why did I lose my beloved? But he is in a better place. Like he has been set free. I do believe I have this deep connection to him and I feel him all the time. I had a psychic reading like four years ago, it was about a year after he passed, and I got to basically speak to him. I mean, this woman channeled him for an hour, and I got to hear what his process was when he took his life, who he was in previous lifetimes, like past lives, and it all made sense. It all connected the dots for me, and I also know, like, he is right here. He is right here, right now, like, cheering me on, supporting me, and guiding me. 
I was raised in a family of essentially sociologists and academics. So there's a deep, not passionate, just sort of amused indifference. It's left me feeling content, but slightly ungrounded Mm. and cynical about the idea of closure. My feeling is like closure is unobtainable, really. And we should honor them like scars on our body. You mean these relationships or these experiences? Heartbreaks, regrets, failures, you know, things that are kind of painful to think about that you want to heal. The things that keep you up at night. Mm, Yeah. But Ricky, I would love to talk to you more about your podcast. Everything you say is just fascinating. It's honest and sincere. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. I'm having fun. And Kaylin Allen, my co-host, is really, really special. He is wonderful. He's a superstar. I'm obsessed with him. He is so smart. He's so interesting. He's just got it. And he's funny, which is smart, I think. Yeah, he's very quick. And I love that he didn't grow up with my show. He's too young. He's 26. So to like look at it with his lens of today, it's just been really interesting and cathartic. And I'm glad people like you are enjoying it. Oh, I am. And I'm enjoying talking to you. I'm so thrilled to be able to. It's a pleasure. And you know, my friends, Gabby Allen, I think she wrote that movie that you did. Yes. She's one of my oldest friends. Oh, I threw her 21st birthday party at my house. No way. Oh, yeah. We are way way, way back friends. And she's one of the most amazing women. I love Gabby so much. She's awesome. She's fucking hysterical. She always spoke so highly of you. Oh, that is really nice. What I loved about her humor was that it felt very asexual in the sense of it wasn't like, oh, this girl is flawed because she's clumsy. Yeah, she's a very talented writer. Always has been. I could talk about her forever. She's one of my favorite women and she's like living life beautifully with her children and her husband. And I'm just so proud of her. She's one of those people I really admire and look up to. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, Stephen. Hi there. Hello. Hi. Stephen, will you tell us what's going on? So I try to be as concise as I could in my letter because there's a lot going on for a long time. So as I said in my letter, I am from Haiti. And, you know, Haiti has been in the news a lot over the last few years and more notably for the 2010 earthquake where about 300,000 people died. And that also included very close family members of mine. I'm so sorry. As a result of the earthquake, my parents really had no choice but to send me and my brother to the United States. They couldn't stay because they didn't see a future for themselves here in terms of career-wise because their degree didn't mean much in the United States. But it was the best choice for us. So we ended up being here. Uh, And how old were you and your brother? My little brother was 12. I was 
turning 17. The wow. perfect time to move a child yeah. to a new country. <laughs> Did you speak English at that time? Very little. So it was a very big adjustment for both. Creole, right? Yeah, Haitian Creole and French. So it was an adjustment when it came to language, culture, being away from our parents for the first time and all that. Where did you go? We went to New York, actually. And were you living with family? We were living with an older aunt, very much older than my mother, about 20 years older. So she had a house where we could live with her, but she was never there. So it was mostly me and my brother. And as the oldest, it was on me to make sure that my brother, you know, went to school and did his homework and all that, which I was fine doing. You've always had like a parental role. Correct. I've always been the dad as the oldest child, which I was always very fine doing. I mean, we're a very close family, so it was just my duty somehow, and I was happy to do it. And over the years, we've lived together for a long time after that. So I went to college in the same state, so I was able to be there until he finished high school. And then when I went to grad school, he was done with high school, so we ended up going to the same state again just to be together because we've only had each other, right? And my mother did a good job trying to stay connected, but you you know, back in the day, we didn't have any WhatsApp or whatever that would make it right. easy for people to be on, on Zoom like this, right? So it was calling cards. I don't know if people remember yeah, that, but those were expensive. Yes. Wow. Uh, calling cards and pay phones. And probably Western Union, right? You'd have to send money back via Western Union. Yes, yes. And things were very difficult for my mom because in the earthquake, she also lost her business. And just financially, it went south since then. And it hasn't gone any better. So it was very hard for her. So, I, you know, I got all the part-time jobs I could. Oh, Stephen, you had to grow up so quickly. And you <laughs> seem to be doing amazingly. Yes. And I owe that to my mother because she's the strongest person I know. She's my warrior. And I learned that from her. Since a young age, she had to do the same when it came to her family. So the current dilemma is that your mom has health problems, right? Yes. Her asthma is really bad and she has a lot of bone issues. And on top of that, things got really, really bad in Haiti to the point where it's not safe for her to stay there anymore. So we've had a family conversation about bringing her here. And she didn't want to because she's been so independent for so long. In our mind, coming here at 59 and starting again, she hated the idea. But, you know, kidnapping is rising and murder rate is rising. And I mean, as much as I love my country, I don't see myself going there and I don't think it's safe for her to stay there. So we had a very serious conversation discussion and it lasted a while, but we made the decision as a family to have her come here. And finally, you know, we had an agreement where I would take the financial aspect of it because I have a very good job. And she also has a little bit of a mortgage. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for English classes for her. That's fine. And what I asked of my brother is that he takes her in, in terms of housing, because where I am, I am far away from anyone from Haiti. And I don't have any family where I am. It's just me. So it didn't make sense for her to come with me because she wouldn't have that cultural backup there. Right. And I would think she would need and want that kind of introduction. Absolutely. That kind of support. And I'm always working, so I'm never home. Right. Right. She'd be lonely. She'd need, like, the community. Absolutely. And where my brother is, there's a massive Haitian community. And she has cousins there and, like, friends and stuff like that. So it just made sense for her to go there. But I understand also where my brother's coming from. So after we did this arrangement, that's what it was. In that conversation, did you all agree that your mother would go live with your brother? 
in that conversation, there was a lot of back and forth about where she should go. But ultimately, my brother agreed that she would come with him. Okay, and now he's backing up. And now he's backing up. And he hasn't said it to me. He said it to my mother. And she came to me and said that to me. Oh, boy. So she's moved. She's living here now. She's flying in next week. Okay, so she hasn't arrived yet. Oh, wow. Okay. So your brother is kind of reneging on the deal. Pretty much. Okay. So he told her, but not you. Correct. So when she told me this, she was like, well, what am I supposed to do? What was his excuse to her? The hard part is I've lived long enough with him and he's also very close to me. He's like a best friend to me. So I know where he's coming from. But his excuse was basically, hey, I have a small studio apartment. I am also working because he's in grad school now. Uh, He's actually doing his residency. So he's never home. Then once he comes home, he has to sit and study all night. So it's very hard for him and he's very stressed out. I get that as well. A small studio apartment is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, which I completely get. But I was trying to make him understand that I get that, but it's a temporary thing until she gets her footing. Yeah. But I think on top of like being very stressed about school, he's just panicking. He's on panic mode and having that responsibility because he's never had that responsibility. I took care of everything. Yeah. He's never known what a phone bill was or internet bill or electricity or rent. I did all that back in the day. So now he has all these adult things that he needs to do. Plus thinking about my mother coming. So I get where he's coming from. But at the same time, we don't really have a choice. Right. Right. Are you resentful? Like the fact that you had to make so many sacrifices for him, right? To be the parent, the role reversal of you having to take care of him like he was your child. And now you want him to kind of step up. Yeah. 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 That's all I'm asking. And I understand everything that he's saying, but I had to do it. You know, I put myself through college while doing it. I put myself through grad school while doing it. And now I'm thinking, should I do it again? But at the same time, it's just, it makes no sense for me to not only be the financial support, but also having there to be the emotional support as well. <sighs> Man, Stephen, I'm a younger sibling. <laughs> I'm a little sister. I know that I get like a total allowance And that my older brother, of course, resented me for a long time. Well, first of all, Stephen, do you have space for her there? I have a one bedroom. So ultimately, it would be me on the couch. (sighs) God. (laughs) Okay. I mean, if there's a lot of financial resource, of course, the solution is get her a little studio right around the corner from your brother. Yeah. Right now, I think she needs to be with one of you. Correct. And it sounds like your brother has the better of the situation. He may not like it. But the option of him being near other Haitian people is really the best thing for your mom. Yeah, he's going to have to step up. Mm-hmm. I love it that you guys are close. And I don't know if you went through a time when you just hated him. <laughs> my brother and I, I never thought we would be close. He was my enemy. Is it just the two of you? Yes. Yeah. We never had a moment where we were against each other. It was always us against the world kind of thing. That's amazing. And that's the part that should be focused on, you know. I'm just throwing out some practical ideas. I wonder if you can call your brother and say, listen, I know how stressed you are. I know that you have this really small space. Mom's coming in next week. Will you take her in for two weeks? You and I will call each other. We'll assess the situation because maybe he just needs the digestion. Yeah. And two weeks doesn't feel like too much pressure. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's regroup after two weeks. And has she not been in the States? She's been here on and off for, you know, vacation. 
tops two weeks. So it's going to be a very, very big adjustment for her in terms of culture. Culture shock, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe yeah. if your brother thinks that it's not permanent, it's not forever. This is just for now. Exactly. And you can remind him of the sacrifices you had to make for him. That's the part I worry about, Ricky, though. Why? Mm-hmm. I worry that he will get his defenses up. Mm. You know, I'm worried that he'll be like, well, I did this for you and you think you had it so hard, but I did, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just a little sister here. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, we have our own grievances. I wonder in order for Stephen to get what he wants, which is his mom to be safe and happy and feeling part of the community. Settled, like want her to feel safe and at home. Yeah. And in a year Things will be different. Your living situations may be different. I don't know how far along your brother is in medical school. Look at you guys. Yeah. You are like such high achievers. It's unbelievable what you've done with your lives. Trying. Yeah. Yeah. Props to you both. Yeah. Thank you. Truly. So I wonder if you lead with support. It's going to sting a little bit. You have to bury that resentment. You have to compliment him on like how generous And you know how hard it's going to be. And we're going to work on this. Like, I'll have your back. But I think we both know how much mom being around a Haitian community at first will be good for her. Yeah. And she is really independent, like you said. She is. It's going to be hard for her to be in your spaces, too. Yeah. So the reason I haven't called them yet is because after she told me, it took me by shock because I thought it was a settled deal, right? We already bought the tickets. We already talked about it. I thought it was just done. And we understood that it wasn't the ideal situation, but it's the best that we could do with what we have. So it took me by surprise when my mom called me. So I didn't call him because he's always at the hospital. So I did send him a voice note and and I said, hey, mom just told me this. So I'm very confused about it. And there was a little bit of a back and forth. We didn't get into the details of it. But ultimately, he said, well, if you're so worried, take her with you to your place. So I was like, okay, it's time to end this conversation because, you know, he's getting in his feelings. He's getting his guards up on all that. But also I'm seeing it from my mom's perspective, too, where she's like, well, I have two sons. I'm not welcome. Yeah. And I know she already hates the fact that she needs to leave everything she knows behind and coming here and being supported by us. But having that fight of like, we don't want her, which is not true. It's just that in my side, I know how hard it is to adjust because I had to do it. Yeah. And I'm trying to get the best for her. But in her perspective, she's like, well, none of my kids want me. And she's having that additional, you know, I have to leave my home and now none of my kids want me kind of thing. And I don't think that's fair because, I mean, she made so many sacrifices for us. I mean, I've had two women in my life that have like made me who I am today. And my mom is one and the other one is my grandmother. And I don't want her to think that we don't want her, but logistics. Have you said that to her? Have you said like, we're going to figure this out, mom? Of course you're wanted. Of course we want to make this work. It's just an adjustment. And, you know, it's not the ideal situation because both of you live in very small spaces. What's the proximity between you and your brother? Are you nearby? No. Well, flight-wise, it's four hours. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay, Stephen and Ricky, let me know if you agree with my unqualified advice here. (laughs) I think what you should do is tell your brother, like, let's call mom together and tell her how happy we are that we're going to be able to, like, spend our lives with each other, you know, however you want to put it. Like, shower her with love. The day of her arrival, are you going to, you probably won't be able to be there on the day of her arrival. I won't be able to be there now, sadly. But send her, like, a big welcome basket Mm. to your brother's place. Send your brother something nice, like a bottle of wine or whatever, and just say, I love you. 
It is a time where I think you're going to have to shower people with love from afar so they feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does actually love that idea. Those kinds of gestures will go a long way (laughs) for like two months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, the thing is that you guys are all thinking about this as a 20-year idea or something. It feels so large in your minds Mm -hmm. that it's hard to break down the time. There is a high likelihood that in six to eight months, she will find her community and she is independent. And the situation will inevitably be different in a shorter amount of time than you both think. You know, what if there's a Haitian family that is renting a room? you know, exploring some of those ideas. And I don't think you need to tell your mom this immediately. Yeah, Ricky, what do you think? I agree. I mean, I think you just telling your brother that you're not abandoning him, you know, you realize he's having to make some big sacrifices right now and how much you appreciate it. But you don't doubt that this is the right thing for your mom, correct? I do not. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be an adjustment. But again, I know my mom is strong and she'll make it happen. And again, I don't think that she'll be the type to overly rely on him and sit there and not do anything. I know despite her health issues, I think she's going to stand up. She's already established that she feels guilty for depending on you. Yeah. So that is a loving, intuitive, wonderful mother. I think this can be part of your conversation with your brother. Like, Let's show her a shit ton of love. And I'm so proud of you. And I know this is going to be really hard. I know that your life is crazy, but let's reassess in two weeks. Yeah. Let's see how like mom is doing. Let's have a family conversation. It's definitely a layer of like stress that we won't have anymore because, you know, we call her every day, all day. And it's just like, if she doesn't answer, we're like, what's going on? What's happening? You know, I can't imagine as a mother having to send my boys. I have two boys. I can't imagine sending them to a place and having someone else or for you to raise yourselves, really. Yeah. And so successfully. It's really a testament to your mom. Yes. And to you raising your little brother, too. You know, you're really strong. It's incredibly impressive. Thank you. I imagine her mom is probably a pretty good cook, right? She is. Yeah. There's some benefits if she's living with your brother. She can prepare dinner for him and take care of him in ways that he hasn't been taken care of probably in a while, right? Yeah. And she loves cleaning. You know, every time she comes and visits, she just cleans everything. And she's even if I clean before she gets. So he won't have to worry about that part. You know, if you get home, you have a home cooked meal and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Remind him. Yes. And tell him that, you know, she'll make friends soon. And I think the goal is right now is for you to be the pillar of strength and support from afar. Yep. Yeah. And to be loving, loving, loving and tell him like, listen, at the end of two weeks, if you're going crazy and mom's going crazy or whatever, let's like chip in for a inexpensive motel or like a room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Reassure him with that, even though That may not be the solution, but reassure him with the idea of two weeks. Yeah. Because you guys can feel the love between each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you are an incredibly loving, supportive family. Yes. That would be my advice. What do you think, Stephen? Does that feel comfortable? It does. It does. And I think giving a timeline like this will 
Because you never know. She might come here and they might have such a great time together that you just yeah. be like, forget about it. You're playing the long game. Yeah. With love. I wish you the best, Stephen. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. I hope that you get everything you want because you deserve it and you're on your way. And you might have the best smile know. ever, Stephen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. All right. Bye, Stephen. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Bye, Stephen. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Oh, that was so nice. What a beautiful man. I beautiful, know. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. I know. And incredibly impressive. I can't even imagine what he's been through. I know. I do have a feeling that they're all going to be just fine. I think so, too. He's already come so far. I'm, I have no doubt that she'll settle in and she will find her way and the brother will come around and they'll be a super supportive family. I think so, too. But I do understand that feeling of like the tidal wave of change. Yeah. I know you do. Absolutely. But I also embrace change. And obviously, I'm not in that situation. So I don't know what that is like for Stephen and his family. But for me, I don't like being rooted for somewhere too long. I mean, even though I'm rooted now, like I'm 54, I'm never leaving this house. But I, I'm a fan of change. Shannon, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Hi, Shannon. I'm Ricky. Nice to meet you. Hi. Shannon, I can't thank you enough for your letter. And when I read it, I felt like I was slowly being punched in the gut. Will you tell us what's going on? Yes. So right now I'm eight months pregnant. I was with my boyfriend for about two years. And last month he just left me like unexpectedly. And I found out he was seeing someone else. So it's just been pretty crazy trying to deal with that. I'm so <sighs> sorry. I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. I'm so glad you're not married. Yes. Mm-hmm. Me too. We've received a few letters over the years where somebody is pregnant and their partner cheats on them. It made me think that this is not that uncommon, which <laughs> probably doesn't make you feel any better, but maybe it's reassuring that it isn't about you. I'm knocking wood, but I have never been cheated on. That has never been the reason of the demise of my relationships. But oh, I, you haven't lived, Ricky. <laughs> I know, I know. I've somehow managed to escape that. But, you know, I hope you're going to go after him for child support because, you know, he may be able to, like, skip out on the relationship, but he is responsible for helping to raise that child and financially, at least. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing child support. Luckily, he's still been able to help me financially with everything. So I'm still in our house and he's like helping me pay for everything, which is good. But it's kind of difficult because my family lives far away from me, like four hours away. I have a sister that lives here. Most of his family lives here. So your sister is your support system. I was going to say, if you mm -hmm. have a community of people, because you need to be stress-free right now as yeah. much as you possibly can. You know, you're still growing that baby and your mental health is like 
super, super at the top of the list of priorities. Yeah. And luckily, his family's been really helpful too. His sister actually stayed with me for a couple of weeks because it's a lot to like be staying by yourself pregnant. That's huge. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want to explore a little bit because eventually in your letter, you ask about if you should allow him in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about that element? Because it's related to the large idea, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, I feel like I might, but I feel like it just depends how we are on good terms or not when the time comes. What are your terms right now? I mean, right now we're pretty much on good terms, like we're friendly, but then also he does things where he tries to reach out to me for affection and stuff. So he's not with this woman. So the cheating was a one time thing or is he in a relationship with someone else? He did like move in with her, but they break up all the time. So he's kind of like going back and forth and it's kind of just like too much for me. But we are like on friendly terms and he has been helping me financially with everything. So does he text you things like, I should have never let you go? Or is it more like, hey, what's up? Yeah, sometimes he'll be like, hey, how are you? And how's the baby? And we have a dog too, which is kind of in the way, sorry. <laughs> and then um, the other day he was kind of like, oh, when are you going to move in with me? What? And I'm kind of like, oh. But he's still living with this other woman off and on. So I'm like, I don't know. He goes back and forth that he's going to kick her out. I don't know. This pisses me off. He's a child. Yeah. Shannon, your priority is you and your baby. And it infuriates me that these men get to like walk out. Yeah. You know, the burden falls on you and you need to be really clear on what you need right now. And you need to feel safe. You need Mm -hmm. to feel supported and you need to like be stress free as possible I'm glad to hear that he's financially helping you. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the emotional dangling. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that sucks. And that's what I told him about. He had asked yesterday because I had an appointment. He was like, are you going to let me in the delivery room? And I was just like, if we are on good terms, but like you can't be stressing me out and like making me feel bad. I don't like that he's keeping you this close. Mm-hmm. How much of a shock was it when he broke up? I was like completely blindsided. Like we did have problems. He recently like started a new business. So, I mean, it wasn't the best time with me being pregnant. And then he's with this job. He kind of has to go out of town. And even like my sister asked me, she was like, do you think he'd cheat on you? And I was like, no, there's like no way he would ever cheat on me. Oh, man. Oh. And then whenever he left, he kind of just like ghosted me for a few days and didn't come home. And I didn't understand. And then he was like, yeah, I'm moving out. And then like a couple of weeks later, I found out like he was in fact seeing someone, which I mean, I kind of figured just because like, why wouldn't you say, where are you? <laughs> Not to ever blame the side party. Mm-hmm. If they are breaking up all the time, There's a hypothetical where she was like, you need to break up with her before she has the baby. Mm -hmm. But the past speculation is kind of useless and also just encourages the hamster wheel. Yeah. Like, well, where were they? When did they start? Like, I remember that one time. I know the hamster wheel. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know you, Shannon, but I'm just picking up on what's going on. You deserve so much more than this. Mm -hmm. This is like the most sacred time in your life. You're having this baby in like a month or two Mm -hmm. and your partner should be taking care of you. Yeah. Not hurting you in this way. And so I think it's about like valuing yourself 
and knowing that you deserve better than this. And I know he's mm-hmm. the father of your baby and you're tied together forever, whether you're married or not. Mm-hmm. You guys are together. For 18 years. Oh, yeah. at least. I have my kids are in their <laughs> 20s. It's forever. It's forever. You're right. There are some weddings. But <laughs> you know, I think it's about what you are willing to tolerate because mm-hmm. if you take him back, you are sending a message that you're okay with this behavior. Yeah. I love it that his family is supportive of you. Mm-hmm. Shannon, who do you have to lean on with like the pain? Mostly like my sister. She's kind of been through a similar situation so she can relate. And then his sister, she's been staying with me. She knows how he is, like what the dynamic is like. So she's like someone I can really count on. That's huge. That's a testament to you, Shannon. Mm-hmm. His sister, his blood loyalty is with you. That's a testament to who you are and to who he is a bit. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should let him in the delivery room. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. Yeah. He'll make it dramatic. Yeah. I don't know what the policy is. Yeah. That's why I'm not too aware of either. Cause I know like with COVID, sometimes they only allow one person. And if that was the case, like I definitely want that to be my mom or my sister. So I'm not too sure like how many people can be there. And then yesterday I went to my doctor's appointment and then they told me like, oh, you might have to have a C-section. Can I ask, why are they suggesting a C-section? They didn't suggest it, but he just wanted me to know it was a possibility because they found like the baby's measuring pretty big. I'm not a doctor and I'm not an expert, but I made a documentary about birth called The Business of Being Born. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's really for people giving birth in a hospital to know what their options are and to know that you have rights. And yeah, I hate this scare tactic that they're telling you your baby's too big. The Mm -hmm. chances of your baby actually being too big is so slim. First of all, they have no way of knowing. Mm -hmm. It's all a guesstimate. When they measure you, they're guessing. It's between seven pounds, could be eight pounds. They don't know. Yeah. So just know that your body is perfect the way it is. I mean, like on my soapbox, but I feel so strongly. (laughs) I want you to feel empowered during this experience of giving birth and know that your body is doing exactly what it's supposed to. You're having a low risk pregnancy. Yeah. The whole pregnancy, I've been pretty low risk. I mean, I had like morning sickness, but nothing like conditions or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I know this is off track from the relationship that you have with this guy, Mm -hmm. but I encourage you to watch the business of being born before you give birth. You know, it's really an educational tool for anyone having a baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. I would recommend an epidural. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we can agree Mm -hmm. to disagree. No, I think you should have access to anything you want to have in that moment. And if you don't want him there, if he's going to stress you out, because it is a rite of passage and you need to be supported and held up and you can't have any negativity around you during that time of labor and delivery, in my opinion. I agree. Mm -hmm. You wrote in your letter that he insists that he has a right to be there. Mm -hmm. And I would back that up by calling the hospital and say, what are your policies? My ex boyfriend wants to be there for the birth of our baby, but I'm not sure I want him there. Like, what are the policies here? Mm -hmm. Listen, you may want him there. And I don't mean to be so presumptuous, but I don't like him. Mm -hmm. I don't like him at all. Yeah. I think he has been really cruel to you. Mm -hmm. And I bet you guys are going to have a gorgeous baby. (laughs) Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? Yeah, it's a boy. I love a boy. (laughs) Don't name him after him. No. Whenever we were coming up with names, because he's a junior, and I was like, do you want to name him after you? But he didn't want to. But we do have a name that's like similar to his name. Are you viewing this as 
it's over this relationship? Or are you viewing it as like we've hit a really rough patch? Both ways are okay. I mean, I feel like it's over, but then I don't know because I'm pregnant. So it's just like, I don't know. Like I can see how it's hard for people when they have kids to go back and forth and not know what to do. You know, the nice thing right now, I guess, is that you don't have to make any decisions like in this very moment. Yeah. But I wonder how much you love him. I wonder about the balance of power in your relationship when you believed that he wasn't cheating. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Did you want to get married and he didn't? Did he want to get married and you didn't? Was marriage not even on the table? It was kind of like mixed signals. In the beginning of our relationship, he was like, oh, I don't want to get married. And then later on, he was telling me like, oh, I do want to get married. And then a couple months before he left me, he would be calling me his last name, like, oh, Mrs. Because he was excited about the baby. Did he mention the marriage thing after you found out you were pregnant? Yeah, that's when he would like mention it a lot. We had a lot of plans for our future together. I mean, he had just started this business and I was going to help him with a lot of stuff. And then he would talk about me like I was his wife. God, what a blind side. Yeah, and then his family was like, oh, are y'all going to get married? And I was like, I mean, we're not like rushing to it right now because I'm pregnant. Like, that's not something I want to plan while pregnant. But it's definitely something we were talking about doing after. So that's why I was like completely blindsided because I was like, we had so many plans. Oh gosh, I feel you on this. I get the sense that if he came over right now and he said, I totally fucked up. I love you so much. I love our baby so much. You're the one for me. If he made a grand gesture that you would be like, me too. Mm -hmm. I love you. Is that right? I think I might be willing to take him back. But I mean, obviously, I would have to figure out like, how would I even trust him again? Yeah. You're too young to know my old talk show. But they used to say all the time, once a cheater, always a cheater. It was like a Mm -hmm. catchphrase. Now, obviously, that's a generalization. But can you trust him? If you don't have trust, what do you have? Yeah. Sadness and paranoia. Mm -hmm. I know the story. I wasn't pregnant, but I knew it. I think just take it moment by moment, lean on those that you trust. Mm -hmm. And maybe he had like the pregnancy commitment freak out. It's still inexcusable. He's still not a man yet. Mm -hmm. And some men will never become men, you know, which means the ability to apologize meaningfully, the ability to not be reactionary and the ability to not be manipulative, which means the idea of making you feel guilty for something. Yeah. The transfer of guilt. But this is why I'm so impressed with you. It's like you've clearly shouldered a lot and you are emotionally mature. And I know that you're uncertain about your future, Mm. but you are at an especially vulnerable time in life. And I'm so happy that you have family support from his side and your sister, and you're going to have a gorgeous baby. Mm -hmm. I want you to just follow your gut in whatever moment it is. And maybe that means telling him, I'm not sure yet. Mm -hmm. Shannon, I'm sorry there are no definite answers here, but I, um, I do have definite opinions about this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you gave me a lot to think about, though. It's good to having like outside perspectives because I've only had like my friends and family and then his friends and family who are pissed at him, too. So I'm like, I mean, who's going to give me like honest advice? <laughs> well, it sounds like everyone has your back and we do, too. 
Thank you. I wish you a beautiful birth experience and a beautiful, perfect, healthy baby. I wish you the best. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Shannon. Bye. Ricky, I cannot thank you enough. My pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. And thank you so much for having me. 